I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, I've had to say goodbye to two of my favorite shows, Bates Motel and Broadchurch. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. We'll run down the other handful of shows that are ending this week, plus a couple of new ones starting up. Plus... I went to see a movie this week called Free Fire. More like Free Failure. I'll tell you why I hate it. First, it's the news. From the couch. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. So, Disney unloaded a whole bunch of major release dates this week, which included Lions, Indiana, and cooler temperatures. We'll start with Star Wars Episode Nine, which will arrive May 24th, 2019, 42 years to the day the first Star Wars was released. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Enough of this. Vader, release him. As you wish. Episode 9 will be directed by Colin Trevorrow, who helmed Jurassic World, but before that arrives, we still need to see Episode 8, The Last Jedi, which is directed by Ryan Johnson, who is behind the trippy time travel movie Looper. The Last Jedi arrives December 15th. I only know one truth. Next on the list, the release date for the fifth Indiana Jones movie. That's right, they're making a fifth one. Can you believe it's already been almost ten years since the fourth one? This ain't gonna be easy. Not as easy as it used to be. It's not going to get any easier for the fifth one, which will have Harrison Ford return to the title role in his 70s. I mean, hey, good for him for cashing in while he can, and good for him for returning to try to get it right after the misfire that was the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Legend says that a crystal skull was stolen from a mythical lost city in the Amazon, supposedly built out of solid gold, guarded by the living dead. I want so badly to look upon that film with fondness. I remember being overwhelmed with excitement the first time I saw it in theater. I could not be convinced that it was not good. Then I later saw it again and I thought, oh. I had the same thing. Loved it in the theater, bought the DVD, have not yet watched the DVD <laughs> for fear of feeling the same. I know, I, and I, I feel like because it's Indiana Jones, I just have to watch it again. Yeah. But I, the ending, that ending, man. Ugh. I, I, I honestly don't remember it. All I remember is that monkey. That's a good thing. Don't don't remember the ending. So they need to go out with a bang in this series. It was originally supposed to debut in 2019, but the release date has been firmed up and made official for July 10th, 2020. Experience the ultimate adventure like never before. <laughs> the third movie on Disney's release date docket comes on the heels of the live-action Beauty and the Beast, cleaning up at the box office. It's made over a billion dollars worldwide, and this one could make even more.
Had to let that run for a few seconds. Just stirs my soul. The Lion King, set to be directed by Jon Favreau. The live-action adaptation will debut July 19th, 2019. Don't turn your back on me, Scar. Oh, no, Mufasa. Perhaps you shouldn't turn your back on me. Is that a challenge? Temper, temper. And last, but certainly not least, the sequel to the highest-grossing animated film of all time, which made almost $1.3 billion worldwide, Frozen. Let it go, let it go. Just when you thought you had forgotten that song, finally, after watching that movie 400 times with your kids, Frozen 2 is set to debut November 27th, 2019. I wonder if it will feature the same singers, including... The wickedly talented, one and only, Matthias <laughs> Dazeen. Look at this. See? See? I'm right again. Nobody could have predicted that Dr. Grant would suddenly, suddenly jump out of a moving vehicle. Alan? There's uh, another example. <laughs> See, here I am now by myself, uh, uh, talking to myself. That's, that's chaos there. One of the greatest things of the original Jurassic Park was Jeff Goldblum. He was always there to say, I told you so, when things went wrong. All major theme parks had problems. But John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the Pirates don't eat the tourists. And to basically be the humor. That is one big pile of shit. So it was disappointing when he was not in 2015's Jurassic World, which was still pretty good. You just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. Almost 40 feet high. Really think she climbed out? Depends. On what? What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab. The good news is Goldblum will be in Jurassic World 2. Yes! The Hollywood Reporter says Goldblum will reprise his role as Dr. Ian Malcolm in next year's Jurassic World sequel. Jurassic World 1 made $1.6 billion globally, second only that year to The Force Awakens. JW2 is scheduled to open June 22, 2018. Oh yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. The boss is set to arrive, not just in the ring, but on the big screen. A movie is being made about Vince McMahon, the man who brought the squared circle to the mainstream. The World Wrestling Federation, for over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. The old theme song for Saturday night's main event, Obsession by Animotion. McMahon, by the way, is the chairman and CEO of the WWE, a.k.a. World Wrestling Entertainment, formerly known as the World Wrestling Federation. The movie is currently titled Pandemonium and is reportedly a highly sought-after script which first made its rounds last year, but studios were reluctant because McMahon had not given his blessing and no one was looking to make a powerful enemy. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, a business icon, creative genius, and one handsome, virile son of a... You have a, an interesting name for the movie. You should call it Panda, P-A-N-D-A, Monium, just to mess with the World Wildlife Federation for stealing his letters. <laughs> That's what's in their logo is a couple of pandas, right? That's right. Yeah. So what's changed here, the fact that it's back on the table, is producer Andrew Lazar, who 
made American Sniper, has secured McMahon's life rights, which means the movie is back on the table. And McMahon certainly has an interesting story to tell. I mean, if not for him, there would be no WWE, which has brought us huge stars like Hulk Hogan, or for Jeff Braun, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I can smell what he's cooking! Also my favorite wrestler. Uh, But don't forget, one of the most colorful characters of them all is Vince McMahon. From now on, it's all about me. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Also a former theme of Saturday Night's main event, there is a lot of ground to cover in Vince McMahon's story. Will it include what I think is his most memorable work, his late 90s feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin? Austin, now you know, there is no price I will not pay. There is no depth that I will not stoop to make your life here on Earth, Austin, a total Will it include his one-time feud with Donald Trump? I'm taller than you. I'm better looking than you. I think, I think I'm stronger than you. Will it maybe include his failed experiment with professional football? No word on when the film will arrive. I'm just curious to know who could possibly play Vince McMahon better than Vince McMahon himself. My name is Vince McMahon, and I'm damn proud of it! It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. (laughs) Mr. My Family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. (laughs) It rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. We lost a great director this week, the man who made The Silence of the Lambs, Jonathan Demme. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. In 1992, Demi won an Oscar for the movie, as did Anthony Hopkins for playing Dr. Hannibal Lecter and Jodie Foster for playing FBI agent Clarice Starling and Ted Talley for writing the screenplay, and it won Best Picture. It won the Big Five. That had not been done since the 70s with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and has not been done since. That achievement alone would have been impressive enough, but the movie's also a horror thriller, not exactly your typical best picture material. It literally may have been the first time the word cannibal was used at the Oscars. Then just two years later, another Demi movie made its way to the Oscars. One of my favorites, a little picture called Philadelphia. TriStar Pictures presents... The law's been broken. I just want what is fair, what is right. You remember the law, don't you? A Jonathan Demi picture. In this courtroom, Mr. Miller, justice is blind to matters of sexual orientation. We don't live in this courtroom, no, do we? Tom Hanks. I love the law. Denzel Washington. Are you gay? Objection! In a story about our lives. Oh, Mom, today's a good day. Our fears. Andy brought AIDS into our offices. And our humanity. Philadelphia. That was a bit long, but I love the guy who narrates the trailer. You don't get narrated trailers anymore, and I miss that. They still do it sometimes in TV spots, you're right, but so yeah. rarely in movie trailers. It was actually kind of weird when uh, 
Huh, what was that movie about the financial crisis that got nominated? The Big for Short. Me? Yes. They I did, did it? That had narration and it. It stuck out like a sore thumb. It was weird. That is weird. But, but it's yeah. not sad. It won three Oscars, Philadelphia did, including the first one for Tom Hanks, cementing him as a force to be reckoned with in Hollywood. Philadelphia, just one of those movies, if I catch a piece of it on TV, I watch it until the end every single time. It wasn't exactly breaking new ground in the world of courtroom dramas, but it is gripping throughout, even the non-courtroom scenes, with amazing performances all around. Denzel, the heart of the movie, Jason Robards, a very good bad guy in it. And I like that the judge got his face back after Hannibal the Cannibal took it from him in Silence of the Lambs. Score! Also, my boy Bruce wrote a, wrote a song for it and won himself an Oscar. Saw my reflection in a window and didn't know my own face, oh brother. Gonna leave me wasting away the streets of Philadelphia. One of Springsteen's greatest songs, in my opinion. Demi co-directed the video for that and did some other work with the boss and many other musical acts as well. That seemed to be his true passion. He'll be remembered most so for Philadelphia and the Silence of the Lambs. Jonathan Demi was 73. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. That is a news from the couch. Have you actually seen The Silence of the Lambs? I've seen it a couple of times. Really? Which is surprising to me, yeah. Good for you. Yeah, it's you're a really a, good movie, though. It's you know? a scary movie. Oh, it's a Sunday morning watch <laughs> in the summertime. With all the windows open? When it's light out, yeah. <laughs> I can go for a walk and look at butterflies and flowers and stuff before I try to get it out of my head before bedtime. Well, good for you for braving through that. <laughs> uh, next, we'll tell you what is coming to home video. I see one of the movies includes Vin Diesel, Jeff's other favorite. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Going to have a look at what is coming to home video this week. And Jeff, you must be excited about something. Oh, yeah. On Digital HD on Tuesday, Triple X, the return of Xander Cage. Let me simplify it for you. Kick some ass. And try to look dope while you're doing it. I could definitely make that work. Guns. Girls. Global domination. Sandy Cage is back. He didn't look too dope doing that because he's almost 50 years old and it's sort of ridiculous for him to be in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's but almost was, 50? Yeah. Wow. But it was it's a fun movie. It is dumb as all get out. It's it's like a it's a grade lower than the genius behind the fate of the furious. Okay. Like you know, like <laughs> as smart as you might think that movie is, the Triple X is dumber. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's not a good movie. Wait for it to be on TV. <laughs> so that's for coming free. to Digital HD this upcoming Tuesday, as is Resident Evil, the final chapter. Hopefully the final chapter. I Am Not Your Negro is also coming to Digital Oscar HD. Oscar-nominated documentary that's also out on DVD and Blu-ray on Tuesday. Oh, very good. What else is coming out of Blu-ray and DVD? Matthew McConaughey's Gold, which didn't get good reviews and didn't do much at the box office. Uh, Rings. That's I just put that on the list. I was like... Oh, it says Rings. I think that's a horror one. Yes, that's the, the scary movie. It's the threequel for right. The Ring. And it got bad reviews. It did nothing at the box office. So, But hey, it's there on DVD, Blu-ray, and on demand on Tuesday if you want to check it out. And A Dog's Purpose. That's the movie that had all the controversy. <laughs> yep. They mistreated the doggies. Or did they? Would you think that in a list that includes A Dog's Purpose, Rings, a horror movie, a Matthew McConaughey movie about uh, gold smugglers, that's a true story, and a movie called I Am Not Your Negro. Would you think the dog movie was the controversial one? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, you would not. And here we are, and it is. <laughs> Good for you for catching that. Uh, well done. What's coming to Netflix? Season week? two of Sense8 on the 5th, which will be next week, Friday. Sense8 is another one of those Netflix shows that kind of just... People start talking about every so often, and like, hey, have you watched Sense Eight? You should watch that. Yeah. I've heard people say, hey, have you watched OA? You should watch that. And there are so many shows on Netflix that they're new. And now shows. it's Thirteen Reasons Why, still ish. Yeah, right? and it got renewed for a second season. So, oh, has it been it renewed? Did, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, that could be a problem. Uh, because I got to start going to watch season one, and I, I sort of want to watch Riverdale, but. Only because some of my friends are talking about it, and I feel like I'm missing out. Fear of missing out. I FOMO. Watch, I watch too much TV as it is. And speaking of which, I'm going to tell you about two of my favorite shows, which are going away for good. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And a couple of shows are either ending or starting this week. Uh, Brett's going to talk about a couple of his favorites a little later on. But this week coming up, on Sunday, April 30th, we get the season three finale of American Crime. Over I need help. Next Sunday, what happened? Tracy stabbed the other girl. Her name was Shay. The shocking season finale. Those people who died, they suffered. And I'm not just talking about the fire. Will there finally be justice? They have a search warrant and they want to look in the house. For all. We're going to have to place you under arrest. I didn't kill her. What are you arresting? What are you arresting? American Crime, season finale, next Sunday, 10, 9 central on ABC. I just want to quickly mention uh, season three. Uh, season two, I had my top 10 uh, yeah. last year, and I was really, really enjoying season three. I was, it was just as good, if not better, than anything they've done before. Really? But I'm starting, they, they're telling too many stories. They like ended a whole bunch of stories at the halfway point and start- started some new ones. And that's weird. It's just, it's too many stories, and it's so bleak. I don't mind watching sad or miserable television, but yeah. this is like, it's almost like punch you in the face. Just nothing redemptive or uplifting whatsoever. Yeah. No. It was like The Leftovers season one. That was, it was very good, but it was very bleak and they knew that. And in season two, they injected a lot more humor into that show. Well, and in the case of The Leftovers, like it's a bleak, sad show from what I understand, but American Crime is like, it's a fiction Right? American crime is fiction, but it's meant to be a reflection of reality. Yeah. So it's horrible. And you just watch it and you go, God, I don't know how much more (laughs) of this I can take. So it's got one episode left. I'm looking forward to letting it go. (laughs) Enjoying your summer for once. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Over on Stars, and it's a little more complicated in Canada. We'll get to that in a second. It's the series premiere on Sunday of a show called American Gods. I'm a hustler, swindler, cheater, and liar. Tails. It's not always going to be tails. There's Ian McShane, one of the American gods, and it's on Amazon Prime in Canada, which is, what, 80 bucks a month or something? Uh, yeah, no, it's $80 for the, for year. the year. For the year, all right. Yeah. Yeah, for a month, that would be ridiculous. So you get, yeah, you get the first month free, and then it's $79 for the whole year, which is cheaper than Netflix or Crave TV, but I've, I've looked at their list of TV. The they selection's have, not anywhere near what those other ones are. No, so I don't know, but I mean, this this uh, show, American Gods, based on a book by Neil Gaiman, who's, he, uh, he wrote the 
the book or comic for Stardust, which, as you recall, some mm-hmm. 10 years ago, we both gave that the sectional. That's the only movie that has received the fullest, highest honor a couch potato can give from both potatoes. <laughs> That's right. And he uh, he's the guy behind uh, another famous graphic novel called The Sandman, which I believe is being adapted into a film. So he's done all sorts of stuff. This was a really highly sought after uh thing that they wanted to turn into movies and he kept saying no no it's too complicated for a movie but then i believe the guy ryan brian fuller the guy from hannibal yeah yeah, yeah. is behind american well, there gods you go. that's quality right there yep. yeah we heard of you mcshane in that clip all the promos focus on a different character and there was many to choose from and i just took you mcshane because i've been uh watching john wick and uh we did that Deadwood story Deadwood, last week. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. Uh, on Monday, May first, it's the season one finale, and thank God, of, on NBC of the show Taken. The woman he loves has been taken. Right. And next Monday on the Taken season finale, I will find you, and I will kill you. Nothing will prepare you. This ends now. Not going to sanction a suicide mission. For how it all ends. Let her go. Brian! No! The Taken season finale, next Monday, after The Voice on NBC. It's not nearly as gripping as the uh, Liam Neeson one. I will find you, <laughs> and I will kill you. <laughs> I love how you say of the season one finale of Taken. Well, you know what? Let's just do it again. Of Taken. The woman he loves has been taken. <laughs> I, I don't know why it struck me as funny. It's just, really? Of, of course that's of course what happened. Been taken. Someone's got to get taken. That's uh, the name of the show. I also want to just quickly mention as well, on so one more on Sunday, uh, on Showcase. I've been seeing premieres for this, or promos for this as I watch The Magicians on Showcase. It's a show called Eyewitness, and it's based on a Norwegian series called... Oyevatin? I sorry, I have no idea how to pronounce that. It Just looks based like, on a Norwegian series. Yes, uh, and it's uh, some sort of a murder mystery or whatever. It's a, another Nordic noir show that has been repurposed for North American TV. It aired on the USA Network, and it only lasted for one season. So I don't know if it's any good or not, but I might have to check that out. I do enjoy the Nordic noir. Trapped, the show right, that right, I right. ranted and raved about earlier this yeah. year, is uh, very good. Uh, Here's something that is not very good. I went to see a movie this week, and I recommend you avoid it. It's called Free Fire. So, what do you say we check out the merch? That's not what he ordered. They ordered M16s? Really? I'm not running a pizza delivery service. Don't shoot the deal off! I'll be shot! Oh, now we're cooking! Free Fire is about a gun deal gone bad. It stars Brie Larson, Charlotte Copley, Army Hammer, Killian Murphy, among others. Is it Killian or Cillian? It's Killian. Thank you. It's like Celtic. Very good. I appreciate that. It's an action comedy. It has decent reviews. It just opened up last weekend. 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. But it was a big flop. It opened in 17th place with just under a million dollars. Let me tell you why I did not like this film. Despite it being an action comedy, I was bored. It was dreadfully slow-paced, and it tried way too hard to have a clever script. It wanted very badly, I think, to come off like Quentin Tarantino had written it and Guy Ritchie had directed it, but instead the jokes were mostly 
juvenile uh, to the point where it was just like they were just swearing at each other back and forth from across the room and it was repetitive. I did not enjoy that. Even at 90 minutes, somehow it was too long. A waste of a really good cast. Charlotte Copley was fun, but he's always a scene stealer in everything he's in. The rest of the cast were given almost nothing good to work with. I will tell you, though, the guy I went to see with, he really liked it. Really? I will also tell you there were some guys sitting a few rows behind me who really liked it. They were laughing a lot. And I feel like... I'm just going to stop the music here while I try to be honest with you here. I often wonder how much one's mood affects one's enjoyment of a movie. Because in my case, I wasn't feeling all that great because I went to see Free Fire two days after I saw The Fate of the Furious... When I went to the Fate of the Furious, I ate a large bag of popcorn. Like as I, you should. Like I want to do, yeah. yes, as I should. I love my movie yeah. popcorn, but I don't do my body any favors by eating it the way I eat it because I go hard on that buttery flavored <laughs> topping, which for all I know is recycled motor oil. That's what it looks like. But <clears throat> so you they, hate getting halfway through the bag. Yeah, well then half. It's dry. But then see, that's when I, when I put one of those flavor shakers on it. Oh. So I like to, then that way you can spice it up as you go. White cheddar is the one I roll with if it's available. So by the end of the movie, <laughs> even though it tastes great, I always regret it and I hate myself just for a doing it. 3M or DuPont factory in your stomach. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> I feel so bad every time I eat movie popcorn, but it's so good. So two days later, when I went to see Free Fire and bought a large bag of popcorn, I actually had to stop eating it about halfway through because I think my body was still trying to fix the damage I caused with a previous bag of popcorn not two days before, which means maybe I didn't like this movie because I was feeling lousy from the popcorn. Maybe I'll like it more if I watch it again because, hey, I did like the premise. It's an amusing premise with a good cast. You know, they're trapped in this one room and they're all shooting at each other as they try to hide behind sort of obstacles and things that have been just left behind in this abandoned factory. But I'm not going to watch it again. Two couch cushions out of five for free fire. Up next, Bates Motel and Broadchurch. Had to say goodbye this week. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And I had to say farewell this week to two of my favorite shows on TV. And we're going to start with the prequel to Psycho, A&E's Bates Motel. You want to know the truth? It's not going back. Mother! You have a lot to learn, Norman. Norman is sick. He needs help. I can't believe I did this. We are two parts of the same person. Both are very real. This is how it ends, isn't it? The Alfred Hitchcock movie Psycho from the year 1960 was based on a book by the same name from the year 1959. And I I think we all know the story of that movie. Up until this week, I had never seen the film, but I knew exactly what it was about. It's about a woman who stops at the Bates Motel, meets the man who owns it, Norman Bates. He seems nice enough, but his mother, not so much. She kills the woman, kills a bunch of other people, but it turns out Norman's mother is dead. And mother is him. 
There were eventually three sequels to that film. The book also had two sequels unrelated to the films. And since March of 2013, we have had the prequel series Bates Motel, co-created by Carlton Cuse of Lost Fame. This season, the show finally intersected with the events and characters from Psycho in its fifth and final season. The first four seasons, by the way, are on Netflix. Now, in the show, Norman is played by Freddie Highmore. His mother, Norma, is played by Vera Farmiga. She is very much alive for the first four seasons. They buy a motel. The setting has changed to Oregon instead of California. But the look of the motel is very much the same, and the house looks identical right down to the stairs leading up to the house. Norman is a nice young man, but we start to learn he might be dealing with something. He seems to have blackouts, and some of them may or may not be violent. His mother is aware, but she doesn't get him the help that he needs, not out of malice, but she just doesn't know what to do, and she's overprotective, so she thinks she can just be a good mother and everything will be okay. She's also quite jealous and acts out a lot against him. Anytime he shows affection for a girl at school or uh, later in the series, uh, any other women really, she's not all that cool with it. She knows she needs to cut the cord, but you can tell she really wants to be the only woman in his life. Again, not malicious. It's just, it's complicated and it's creepy. And it sets the stage for wonderful television with amazing performances from Highmore and Farmiga. So far, they've both been mostly shunned by the Emmys. No wins for the show. Farmiga was nominated after its first season for Best Actress. Last year, the show got nominated for Cinematography, I think, and Music Composition. If they don't get both nominated this year, I think it would be a shame. And yes, Farmiga should get nominated this year because even though, as I said, Norma does not survive into season five. Mother is very much alive inside Norman's head, and it is amazing. Bates Motel's biggest problem, I think, if I have to, I mean, it's not perfect. You know, its biggest problem has always been finding things for its supporting characters to do. That often dragged things down, but this season has both been excellent from a character and a plot standpoint. It was always propelling forward at a fairly breakneck pace, And one of the things I also liked is that the show has always handled the issue of mental health with care. At least I think so, because Norman Bates is not portrayed as a bad guy. He's done terrible things, but he's not a bad guy. He doesn't even know it. And in the end, it's quite frankly, it's just downright tragic. And in season five, like I said, we meet various characters from the movie, including Marion Crane, who's played by Rihanna in the show. And as far as the events of Psycho are concerned, they are acknowledged and very much present, but things don't necessarily happen as you would expect them to. The series is very much its own series. And after the series wrapped up, I finally was able to watch the movie, Psycho. I've never seen it, and I've held off until the end of the series. I recorded it on my PVR, actually. It's been sitting there for a few weeks. Went to watch it, and it's in standard def. So I texted our co-worker, whose dad owns, I think, every Blu-ray there is, it seems. Of course, he has Psycho. So he says, oh, yeah, I'll bring you the Blu-ray. I don't expect you to watch it in standard def. This isn't North Korea. L-O-L. Anyway, it was neat to see all of the elements of Psycho that were incorporated into the series. I'm sure it was fun for fans of the movie to watch the show, just as it was fun for me as a fan of the show to watch the movie. Bates Motel, great series. Check it out on the Netflix. Also wrapping up this week was the third and final season of the British TV show Broadchurch. 
Kelly and the detective was Wessex Police, you called about an attack. You did this to me. Did you see his face? We will find the man who attacked you. We need to move the investigation forward. We need your help. All we want is the truth, and we will get to it. Patricia's attacker has any connection to you. This will never stand up in court. Oddly enough, much like Bates Motel, season one of Broadchurch also dates back to March 2013. It hails from ITV across the pond, and in Canada it has aired on Showcase. Broadchurch is set in a quiet little oceanside town. Season one is one of the best seasons of TV I have ever watched. But it is not a happy season of television. It's a murder mystery, and the victim is a child. It was gripping TV, anchored by the two police officers, Detective Inspector Alec Hardy, played by David Tennant, and Detective Sergeant Ellie Miller, played by Olivia Coleman. Season 2 arrived in 2015, focused on the court case that followed the murder investigation. It was not as good as Season 1. Season 3, or Series 3 as they like to call it, was a return to form. Instead of focusing on a murder, this time it's a new story and they focus on rape. There's this big old mansion in the countryside that gets rented out for parties. There's a party, and a woman in her 50s is raped, and the police need to figure out who did it. The show does a nice job of handling a difficult subject, because rape is often used in shows and movies to advance the story, to show how awful someone is. This instead focuses on how awful rape is, but also that there are people who are ready to help in a crisis like this. As The Independent describes it, quote, the team worked with rape crisis services to ensure accuracy and portray a positive experience of reporting a sex attack. As the series moves along, I think it kind of trips over itself to say, hey, not all men are scumbags, and it gets to be a bit annoying. But as is always the case with Broadchurch, the acting is spectacular, the cinematography is spectacular, the musical score is fabulous, and it's a great mystery. So, even though we only got three seasons of the show, three series of the show, I'm thankful that we got those three series. You can watch the first two on Netflix. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, and remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.